One of the best ways to keep up with church life is through the City Life app. The City Life app enables you to listen to messages from Sunday, explore the Bible while listening to messages, stay up to date with church life through our Connect section, and much more. Download the City Life app in the App Store or Google Play Store today. Welcome to the City Life podcast. We're all about making Jesus known. We pray these messages will help equip you to become a follower of Jesus who is empowered to influence and shape culture. Enjoy the message. I want you guys to get your Bibles, Bible apps, whatever you use to get to to the Bible. Open it up to the book of Matthew in the New Testament, first book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter number 16, verse 24. Matthew 16, 24. While you're getting your Bibles out to Matthew 16, 24, uh, uh, you may want to write this at the top of your paper. I'm talking today about risky living. Risky living is the name of my message today. I want to give you an FYI. You guys need an FYI. Christianity isn't safe. Like, what? What is he saying? I know some of you are panicking right now. Stay calm. It's going to be all right. I promise you. I promise you. But see, Christianity is not like wearing some spiritual bubble wrap. I mean, <laughs> that's not what it's about. Yeah, you get to inherit eternal life, but, but it's, it's not a game. It's not child's play. I mean, being a Christian is not some lazy day at the beach where you soak up the sun and listen to the beach boys. I mean, come on. And because God actually expects us to act a certain way. And the way we're supposed to act is risky. I'm going to show you today. And you're going, wait a minute, wait a minute, risk is scary. Of course it is. I mean, it would be no fun if it was not scary, right? You know, sometimes, though, God gives me the perfect setup for my message. And today is one of those days I got the perfect setup because yesterday I looked at my weather app and it said there was a 40% risk of wintry precipitation between the hours of 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. And I was like, that's it? That is perfect. At first, I'm like, oh, great. You know, God, God, you know we've talked about this before. God, you're supposed to do that at a different time, not like when people are coming to church. But sometimes he, sometimes he misses that, all right? I don't know. I don't know. But, but, uh, but, but risk, risk just simply means, even that risk, it means that a lot of people who would normally be in church today aren't, or they, they won't be, because there was just the risk. Now, you might say, well, you know, we as Texans, we get really scared of, of, of that. And I know, you're, you guys, are, many of you, most of you are good old Texans, and, and you know how to be scared. Uh, those of you who are not from Texas, and, and you're, you're kind of like checking this out, watching everyone panic, you're kind of chuckling at, at it quite a bit, and, and I, I get that too. You see, because I'm a good Texas boy, I, I, I really am, I'm a good Texas boy, but I left Texas for a little while to pastor a church in Missouri, uh, and and I came back, I came back, I came back, that's why, that's why we're here now, okay? I came back very quickly, but while I was there, I, you know, I, it, was, it was weird, I mean, when, when we, the, I mean, even when the plane landed there at the Kansas City airport, it was, 
it was snowing. I was like, yay, it's so pretty. Well, I, after then I learned I had to like scoop the snow and shovel the snow and do all that kind of stuff. I remember, I remember sitting down with my board, well, like first board meeting. I said, okay, I want to see the budget for the year. And let's kind of see what's going on. And they showed me this budget. And no kidding, they had $30,000 set aside in the church budget under a category called snow removal. What? I mean, it's like a salary. What are you guys doing? Like, what? I did, this is crazy. I mean, come on, how much do we spend on snow removal here? Zero. I mean, zero. Nothing, nothing. I mean, uh, nothing. It's just, we just don't. And if it snows, like, well, we stay indoors because all those other crazy drivers, not y'all, because y'all drive perfect. And so, so yeah, it's, it's just, it, it, it was nuts. And I was like, no, we got to cut this in half. They said, no, you don't understand. It's, and, and sure enough, I remember one year when I was pastoring there, it was for about 12 weeks, I think, I don't know, about 12 weeks or so solid, nine to 12 weeks. Every single Saturday night or Sunday morning, there was some kind of wintry precipitation. And, and, and we like blew our budget 10 times over from trying to get the parking lot ready for just cars to get on the parking lot to come to church. It was, it was nuts. And, and uh, so I came back to Texas where we, you know, we, never, we never really deal with it. It snows, it actually really snows once every 20 years. So like, yeah. Um, but, uh, but it was funny. And, and you know, it, it's easy for people to pick on Texans. Um, you know, about how they're just afraid to get out. And, and you guys are, half of you are. Not so, and you're not, because you're here. But the other people who aren't here, we just, let's just make fun of them right now, okay? Uh, <laughs> but it's no fun because they can't hear you. So, But, but when I was there, it's like, I, I thought, I, I hate this. And so what we started doing, these things, we started doing these services, because I'm going to find a way to have church. And so when there was snow in the forecast, we would put it on television, on radio, on everything. We were going to do a service called Beat the Snow Service. And we would do it on a Saturday afternoon or a Saturday night. And sure enough, people would come and pack out the place. Woo we'd have like one Beat the Snow Service. And then sometimes, you know, we'd still have our services on Sunday and a few people would be there. But, but it was like, it was one of the ways of dealing with it. But I was still trying to figure out the whole culture of it. And so I, I asked people one day, I said, okay, I just need a show of hands. Like, how many of you, you know, if there's a Beat the Snow service, you're, you're going to come because there's, there's, yeah, they raise their hands. So, okay, how many of you, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what's going on, you're going to come, and it's about half the people raise their hands. Yeah, you know, they're like, we're Midwesterners, I think. Of course, I'm still thinking they're crazy. But, uh, and then, then I asked, so now how many of you, if there is, if there's even a chance of precipitation, let's say 30% chance in the forecast, you're going to go ahead and make up your mind 24 hours prior that you're not even going to go to church. And a good third of the people is like, oh, that's us. Like, oh, my stinking word. So don't let those people from up north tell you how tough they are, all right, because they're not. And uh, I, I thought, wow, you know, but they're surely going to go to work tomorrow. You know, it's, uh, I, I can guarantee that. It's funny because this morning it was um, – I, I, I had to go to Target early, and I, I never go to Target. In fact, I even had to look up the times to make sure they were open before I drove over to the Montgomery Target. And, and, uh, and I was going to Target because, you know, occasionally I'll, I'll come up to the office like super early. Like this morning I left about 4.30 and, and came up here, and, and, uh, and I, I was testing out the roads for you guys just to make sure everything was going to be safe. <laughs> no, but I, I can't sleep well on Saturday nights anyway. So I, here I was. I, I was up here, and... And, uh, but I took my clothes, and I was just going to change and shower at the office. And, but but I'm, I'm all ready to do that, and then I'm like, I, I have none of my personal items. I mean, I, like, I, 
I've got, even though I look like I've not shaved, I mean, I still have to, like, make it look good. I have to put on, you do deodorant, and, and, you know, I have to puff my hair and use those. And so I had none of that, and, and so I went over to Walgreens to get my stuff. Uh, and, and I missed the prayer meeting this morning. They prayed for me. And pray, but I, I was over at Walgreens getting, I mean, not Walgreens, over at Target, and, and I walked into the place, and it was like the music was playing and happy Happy uh, people were walking around everywhere, and I kept getting greeted by people like, like, good morning, sir, good morning, good morning. I noticed that it was just all these employees with their red little vests on. They were very, very happy to be there, but I didn't see, like, anyone else. I was greeted 14 times, 14, 14 times. That is the happiest target in the world. I mean, they were like, they were really being nice to me. And, if I, like, I, I, and at one point, I thought, if one more person asks if I need help, I'm going to say, no! You know, it's just, I've just got, and, and, and so, but they were wanting to help me and doing all their nice stuff. And, and I even get to the cash register and start to check out. And the lady starts like, well, it's beeping, but it's not working. I don't know what's wrong. She goes, oh, I don't think we've turned it on yet. It's like, well, how long have you been here? An hour? You, nobody has, you've not even checked out one person? She said, no, nobody's here today. I was like, well, why? I said, isn't it more busy on Sunday mornings? She said, oh, no, it's too risky for people to get out and come to the store. Uh, you need to be in church today, <laughs> you know, because that's what I'm talking about today. It's about risk. You took a risk today, so this should make good sense to you. I'm today, I'm, I'm going to give you a challenge. I wanna, I'm, I'm challenging some of you guys and ladies to take off your bubble wrap because you're going to suffocate in it if you don't do it. <laughs> You know, some of the things we do to try to cushion ourselves from the world, it's just, it's just ridiculous. Um, yesterday, uh, I, I got up yesterday morning and dressed kind of, you know, normal because I saw that it was 58 degrees outside in the morning Well, when I got up. But, of course, by, by noon, it was, it was like 30 degrees. It was cold. And so I didn't like that. And I had a lunch meeting downtown, and, and it's, it's 10 blocks. I always walk. I never drive. I always walk. And so I get, well, I get outside, and I'm like, I'm not walking. I don't even have a big coat. This is cold. I don't like this. This is, feels like of the devil. And so, so I just, this is Narnia, you know. It's just like, it's not good. It's not good. The white witch is ready to come out. So I, I, I drove. I drove, and I drove around downtown looking for a parking space. Finally, I found one like five or six blocks away. I'm like, this is crazy. I mean, I could have walked faster, and I would have been warmed up by the time I got here. And <sighs> well, whatever. Uh, everything's for a reason. So I'm getting out of my car and walking toward the, the restaurant, and, 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 I, and I see these people coming, like, from the direction of the convention center, and they're all wearing these, like, like um, these hospital surgical masks, you know, the, the, these little paper masks. They're wearing these walking up. And so me, me I mean, if I'm going to intersect with people and something looks a little different, I'm going to talk to people. I, I, I do that. I just, like, talk to people. I, and so, I, uh, stranger, I can tell you're not from Fort Worth here. So I, what, well, I didn't say it that way. But, but, but I just said, so, you know, wh what's, what's with the hospital mask? I think it's a hospital convention or something. They're trying out the new masks. And this, la this, this lady goes, it's so cold out here. We, we don't want to breathe in the cold air. And it's, like, kind of muffled coming through the, the, the mask. And I'm like, Really? I mean, really, how do you think the Eskimos survive in their, in their ice huts? You know, they breathe in cold. I'm dying. I mean, they would have been extinct years ago, I mean, a long, long, long time ago. So, I mean, Canadians, even that, like the Winter Olympics, what are they doing? They're breathing. Okay, so, so, yeah, so but we do funny things, even just in our regular culture, to cushion ourselves because there's risk or perceived risk in the case of the paper masks. And... And uh, I've also noticed that we do it as believers as well. Now, that's much scarier 
than anything else. Um, Because I'm talking about risky living. And I'm telling you guys, if you're empty, risky living is for you. If you're disillusioned, then risky living is for you. If you have achievement but not fulfillment, risky living is for you. If you feel like you just don't measure up, risky living is for you. If you feel you're not the super Christian, good, then risky living is for you. You see, when you gave your life to Jesus, you were not issued a safety helmet, shin guards, and shoulder pads. Instead, you were issued what Scripture calls the armor of God because God says, now, welcome, you're going to go into battle. You're going to go into battle, and you're going to live a life of risk, and you're going to learn how to really live. I, I know our theme scripture for the year is John 10, 10. Jesus said this. He says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. See, life to the full is the reward of every follower of Jesus Christ. But you don't really live unless you risk. Now, follow me on this because, because some of you, get, some of you are going to need to shed some wrong practices and adopt some new ones as you begin to understand this because risk for God is rewarded. And it's time for us to live, and it's time for us to live risky. In fact, risk is what I would call a power principle in the New Testament. It is. You see, we find this concept of risk addressed five times in the New Testament by Jesus Christ himself, right there even in the Gospels. So here, here's this deal. If, if you've been, to, if you've studied uh, like theology and all this, the way you find out what's like most important, the way you find out the things that are most important is what is repeated over and over. What are the big topics that are just told about, talked about over and over and over? Well, this is one of them, and this is a huge one, but it's not talked about enough, but it was talked about plenty in the Bible. You see, this is a power principle and jesus himself set it out and he was being very very explicit about this principle of risk and and the writers of the gospel matthew mark luke and john they felt so strong about it themselves that they made sure that those words of jesus were in their gospel accounts uh, we find it in Matthew chapter number 10, you'll find it in Mark chapter 8, you'll find it in Luke chapter 9, you'll find it in John chapter 12, but today we're going to look at it in Matthew chapter 16. So get it open, Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, because I want you to see what it says. It says, Jesus said to his who? What? What? What is that? He said to his what? His disciples. Okay, that, that's the audience. It says, whoever wants to be my disciple... Like, wait, wait, he's already talking to them. That's like, that's like me. That's like, like if I were to have a staff meeting and say, okay, staff, whoever would like to be on the staff, and they're going, well, we already are, you know? Okay, so you see the confusion right there. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up the cross, and follow me. Now, these guys had been his disciples for almost two years at this point and now all of a sudden jesus is introducing this new uh this new qualifier it's, it's a new prerequisite it's a new attitude that someone has to have if they're going to be a disciple of him and it's self-denial and taking up your cross now i mean can you imagine what they were thinking <laughs> what where did this come from now a lot of times we think of the cross as just a really nice decoration we do uh, that's, as, as good Americans, we do that, and I have really, honestly, I have no problem with it. But, but you know, 
I, I just want to throw this out there. Putting a cross on the wall in your house, or maybe you have a cluster of crosses on your wall, putting one in your office, or maybe having one dangle in your car or wearing one around your neck, that's fine, but you're not taking up your cross, okay? <laughs> that's not what this is talking That's decoration. See, the cross was an execution tool to be used on a person who didn't want it. They forced them there. Um, today's equivalent would be an electric chair or a hangman's noose. Now, I don't see anyone at James Avery selling hangman's nooses or electric chairs for people to wear around their necks. I don't see at any of the decoration stores, and I wouldn't know because I don't go there anyway, but just if I were to ever go to one of those places, that's why my wife goes there. I don't because they stress me out. I mean, I have never seen a big, big thing of an electric chair or, or uh, you know, a hangman's noose that you're going to put up in your house and people are going to come and go, oh, you have a nice display of hangman's nooses. You know, no. <laughs> no. But that's really what the cross is. You, you get that? I'm serious, guys. You, you see that. Some of you just got totally freaked out. Like, whoa, I never really thought about that. Because you're saying, you're saying, but Tim, you're always telling us that Jesus came so that we could have life and have it to the full. That's true. That's 100% truth, and that's a foundational philosophy of my life and even of this church. And he is all for that, but there is also this paradox. It goes on in the next verse, verse number 25. Look at it. It says, Jesus says, for whoever wants to save their life, they're going to lose it. Then you try to bubble wrap, you're going to lose your life. Whoever wants to, but it says, whoever loses their life for me will find it. See, risk is seen all through this passage. A life to the full means living risky for God. And there's also a reward that comes along with the risk. Now, I have heard uh, some say, and it's, it's kind of a good American thing to say, well, I don't want a reward from God. I don't need that. I just, no, I just want to do my work for God. I don't need any reward. That sounds really self-effacing. It sounds really nice. It sounds very spiritual, but it's actually anti-spiritual. It's not. It's really pretty lame, okay? Um, I mean, I, think of this. How many of you, you want the reward of your paycheck when you've worked all week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how many of you would work that job and keep working it and keep working it if there was never a kind word and never a paycheck? Now, I know some of you never get the kind word, but still, there was never a paycheck at all. I mean, would, would, you, would you keep investing in your retirement if you knew that nothing would be there? No, of course not. That's zero reward. Zero reward isn't even spiritual. That principle isn't even in the Bible. God doesn't do that. And since by default God is God, then reward comes along with the gospel. Reward is deeply spiritual. So now let's look at verse number 17. Matthew 16, verse, I'm sorry, verse 27. Go down to that verse. Jesus said this, he says, for the Son of Man, speaking of himself, is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and he will what? reward each person according to what they have thought about doing. That's not what it says, is it? And, uh, see, I, I could trick you if you weren't actually watching. That's why you should have your Bibles. Make sure that I'm actually saying what's in the Bible, okay? No, because this says, according to what they have done. See? 
And what they're doing, if you look at it in the whole context, what Jesus is saying is this is all about taking up your hangman's noose. This is about taking up your electric chair, your, your cross, and, and, and giving it all up and following Jesus. You, you, are you really just literally ready to lose your life for him so that you can really live? Now, now risk for God, my friend, is rewarded, and I'm just saying it's time for us to live and to live risky. And, and I believe it's the time now like never before. In fact, I believe, according to the scriptures, that we are living in what we'd call the end of time. Uh, so much of what has come to pass uh, it has, has already been prophesied about the progression of this, of this earth and, and mankind, and there's really little more on the biblical prophetic horizon that has yet to transpire except two big things which would be the uh, the beginning of the construction of a temple in Israel and the rise of the antichrist and and uh, and so all I'm saying and that could happen like any any minute right now okay so I'm telling you guys it's time to live it's time to live risky for God like never before it is time because we're at the end of time now Speaking of the end of time, if you were to go to the book of Matthew, chapter number 24 and 25, you'll find some really interesting stuff. You can read that on your own. Uh, but, but in this passage, you find a private conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples. And this happened a few weeks after the initial conversation about take up your cross and follow me. And, and the disciples were curious. They were curious about what the end time looked like. So Jesus' disciples, they asked this question in Matthew 24, 3. They said, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So they asked this general question, and Jesus goes and talks for two chapters. I like how Jesus doesn't just you know, give out five points. He, I mean, he just talks and tells stories. He, he told several stories. Um, in, in, along with those stories, he tells one, which is the story of the, t of the ten virgins, which were getting ready for a, a, uh, a, for the, a groom, which is a, an ancient Middle Eastern wedding tradition. And uh, the ones who risked much, who invested heavily in the oil, they were let into the party. The ones who, the five who did not risk much, uh, they were not let into the party because they didn't have enough oil uh, in, the, in their lamps. And then he goes on to tell another story, which is parallel to it. It's kind of interesting, and it's the one I want to talk about today. It's a story of three financial managers. Um, these managers in the story are actually called servants, but when I read it, I don't want you to see them as just like some, some person walking around with a towel wiping people's feet or anything like that. I mean, th these, these were people who handled money. Uh, they they would have been more, more like employees. And they were given charge of the owner's finances while he was away. Now, the parallel is it's the same thing that Jesus does with us, how he entrusts us with his resources while he is away preparing a place for us in eternity and just like in this story how the owner eventually comes back to settle accounts with the financial managers jesus will also come back and settle accounts with us now i want to read this to you from the book of matthew chapter 25 verse 14 i'm going to read it from the message version because i really like how it's how it's descriptive described here uh in in verse 25 he says in chapter 25 verse 14 it says it's also like it meaning the end of time, what it's going to look like. He said, it's like a man going off on an extended trip. He called his servants together and delegated responsibility. To one, he gave $5,000. To another, 2000 To a third, 1000 depending on their abilities, and then he left. Right off, the first servant went to work and doubled his master's investment, and the second did the same. The man with the single thousand, he dug a hole and carefully buried his master's money. 
after a long absence, a lot longer than they expected him, (laughs) the master of those three servants came back and settled up with them. The one given $5,000 showed him how he had doubled his investment. The master commended him. Good job. Great work. You did your job well. In fact, from now on, you're going to be my partner. Got a promotion. A raise. The the servant with 2,000, he showed how he had also doubled his master's investment. And the master commended him. He said, well, good work. You did your job well. From now on, you're going to be my partner. He got the same thing. Now, here's the interesting part. He says, the servant given 1,000 said, Master, okay, I I know you have high standards and you hate careless ways and you demand the best and you make no allowances for error, so I was afraid. Now, I want to stop right there for just a second. I was afraid. You're really demanding and you're really mean, so I was scared. And so many people have that view of God. I'm telling you, one of the biggest reasons why people don't do any risking for God is because they're afraid, afraid of God anyway. They're scared. God's out to get them. How many times I've heard people say that, that uh, well, God has such high standards. God hates careless ways. God demands the best, and he doesn't make any allowance for error. Therefore, I can't have anything to do with this because I'm, I'm not good, that good. I'll just tell you, first off, his view of the master was incorrect. Incorrect. It wasn't right. That created fear in his heart, which froze him. So look, he says, I was afraid I might disappoint you. So I found a good hiding place and secured the money. Here it is, safe and sound, right down to the last cent. Mm, But the master was furious he, he went nuts he said that is a terrible way to live <laughs> he says it's criminal to live cautiously like that are you catching this he said if you knew that i was after the best then why did you do less than the least he said like the least would have been that you would have invested the sum with the bankers and then at least i would have gotten a little interest then he said okay well well, take the thousand and give it to the man who risked the most and he said and and just just get rid of this play it safe who won't go out on the limb just throw him out into utter darkness In other words, at the end of time, when Jesus returns, some of the servants of Jesus who, there are going to be some of the servants of Jesus who risked and some who didn't risk for him that will appear before him. Those who risked will be rewarded. And obviously the reward is pretty good. But it's interesting, those who refused to risk it's really difficult to say what happens. It's hard to understand the parallels there between what happens there at the throne of God, but it's, it's pretty clear you're going to lose what you have and you're going to be thrown into darkness, whatever that means. All I know is that's not good. That's not where we need to be. 
So often uh, we, you know, we're, 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 we're talking about all these things you have to do to look like you're a good Christian, and really we're missing, we're missing out on it altogether. Because God's saying, I want you to risk for me. And considering that, my friend, you and I, we're God, God decided he would put us here on this earth at this end of time. I think it is really now important, more important now than ever before to know that risk for God is rewarded and it's time to live risky, especially now. And this is how we're supposed to live until Jesus returns. That means you're using your gifts and your anointings, using your resources, your relationships, your position, your finances, your influence, your, your time, and you invest them into God's work, whether it's here, out the door, on the streets, at your business, in the community. Well, you should be going on mission trips. You should be tithing and giving above your tithes to God's work. You should be boldly sharing your faith with others. Do you realize people may not even have eternity in heaven because you're the one who's supposed to be sharing with them? We need to do that. We should be looking for ways to just simply increase the effectiveness of God's work in the community and around the world. I'm telling you, of course, you should be involved in serving in your church. And, 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 but the bottom line is stop living safe. Just, just stop living safe. Get out on a limb and do it. Stop pretending that that going to church and reading your Bible and finding a little Bible study program where you can be fed is what Christianity is all about because it's not. Now, I'm all for all that stuff. I am. I'm into all that. But according to Jesus, the guy who's the author and finisher of our faith, that's not what it means to be his disciple. For years, we've called this, when I grew up in church, we call it discipleship. And that means if you go to a class and you learn all this stuff about the Bible, and then you become a disciple, like, actually, actually that's not even what's in there. <laughs> he said, if you're going to be your disciple, you're going to live, live with risk. And God is holding us accountable, and he will, and I have to, I have to. He holds me accountable to let you know this. He, he, he is going to hold all of us accountable to live risky. Um, quit asking those wrong questions and risk Risk, risk dropping your mask. Risk that you'll be rejected. Uh, risk that you won't come in first place all the time. Risk that you'll be misunderstood. Risk that you'll fail. Because God's not going to strike you down if you fail. <laughs> Where are you playing it safe in your faith right now? Where? Where? I mean, do, do people around you even know that you're a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus? Would you risk just saying the name of Jesus? When I found out that 90 to 95% of downtown business district church plants fail within three years or move out of downtown, I was like, here we go, here we go. I mean, I have a, a, a 5 to 10% chance of success here on my own. Yeah. I mean, how many of you guys would jump into a deal like that? Well, 5 to 10% chance of success. Hey, I'm wrong. But you know what? I was like, well, it's a risk. Was God on my side? I was like, I just thought, well, I'm not getting any younger, and I'm not going to just sit around and wait till the end of the world and die. Was God on my side I'm with my family and a few people who are here to play hardball with us? Chris. <laughs> Gonna play some hardball and sacrifice and build this local church. This thing's gonna happen. And guys, that's why I still say, give me the risk. 
Give me the risk for God. And, and that risk has paid off right here in this church. Because of lives changed. Because that's what we look for. And, and guys, therefore we will continue to risk as a church. Because people's lives are at stake. And, and I'm, not, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not, a, I'm not afraid to be generous in my giving. I'm not fearful of the failure and the crash and the burn because the biggest failure, the biggest real crash and burn comes to those who risk nothing. <laughs> Solomon said it this way in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. He said, one person gives freely and gains even more, but another withholds unduly and comes to poverty. Basically, what he's saying is you... If you is, when you give and you live risky, you, you gain, but if you're going to live in this bubble wrap with your safety helmet on, you're not only going to look like a weird Christian, you're going to destroy yourself. <laughs> a lot of Christians even live with a victim mentality, like, oh, the whole world's out to get me, and I just, oh, this is so hard. And, 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 but every time I see a person who's operating that way, I, I basically see a person whose life is wrapped up in this bubble wrap so they don't get hurt because they got hurt before. You see, when things don't happen the way we want them to happen, we get upset. It's like, well, somebody else did this, and somebody else is out to get me. Well, and someone else is not the problem. Basically, the problem is that you're in this life, but you're not really living this. You're present in your body, but you're absent in your mind and your soul. And all God is saying, I want you to risk, and I want you to get out there and really live. Because here's the truth. You're going to live risky, or you're going to die empty. This guy is not going to die empty. <laughs> Today, uh, in the church, there's, there will always be, always has been a, a version of what we call the Pharisees. If you know the New Testament, these are these really religious-looking people. They were very smart and wealthy, and they had it all together. They wore these cool robes, and they would literally take scrolls of the Bible and attach them to their bodies so they would look very cool. It's like, man, you are spiritual. You've got the Word of God, like, attached to you. And so I was like, wow, wow. But that's what they did, and, and they looked really good, and it's like they would come down and uh, the street, people would go, ooh, look at the spiritual guys. Well, we don't do that quite like that anymore. It's just it's really different. Uh, but in many cases, we have today what we call professional Christians. Uh, I have a different word for it. Um, I, call, I call them, <laughs> I, my family knows, I, I, some of you know this, I call them churchy people. Now, I know we, we go to church, but I mean, there's churchy people. And some of you who've been around a while, you, you know what I'm talking about. There's like people who look good, they look smart, they've got it all together, and they seem really religious, and they can say hallelujah, and, and they can do all these cool things. You're going, whoa, you know, they, they, they've really got it all together. But they're not risking anything. It's a show, and, and they're, they're really no different than the professional students that many of you have run into, where they're always going to school year after year after year, and they're never doing anything with their education. Thus they live unfulfilled. I even knew people in Bible college. As I was studying to be a pastor, they were studying for ministry, and they kept studying. studying. I came back and visited 15 years later, and they're still in college. Oh, what, are you, what are you doing? Oh, I'm getting the word in me so I can go preach. Like, <laughs> you're getting old. That's all I know. It's just they're living unfulfilled, and there are a lot of Christians that are living unfulfilled, but they're doing it as a show. I'm telling you, today's churchy professional Christian is always going to church, but not doing anything with what they're hearing, and they leave unfulfilled, and so they, they have to go to all these things that American Christianity offers, and I'm not against them. It's just that if you're having to run from conference to conference and go from church to church to church and event to event, trying to seek some kind of spiritual fulfillment, I'm telling you guys, it's not going to come. 
Many Christians prefer learning and growing and getting fed, but never risking anything. And then what happens is they become critical and self-serving. And I would just, I've always said this since the beginning around here. Well, not here. We're not, we don't do it that way here. And I thank God because it allows for life to be in our church. Because, but even, even worse than that is when, when, in those atmospheres with those people, it just, it makes you feel bad. It makes you feel less than when you get around those people. Because you're always feeling like, I just don't measure up and I can't measure. I'm not good enough. I'm telling you people, that drives people away from God. And that, my friend, is lame. God calls us to risky living for him. Be, be risky and tell someone your story. Be risky and, and uh, go and, 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 and supply the material needs of someone else who has less than you. Be, be risky and pull in that marginalized person. Be risky and give of your resources. Be risky and go out of your way and mess up your schedule and your agenda to minister encouragement to somebody who is down. Well, that's not all that risky. That's just it. It really is pretty simple, and it's a whole lot of fun. Risk for God is rewarded, and I'm telling you guys, it's time to live risky. God's not looking just for people who are good enough. That's not even in the Bible. God's looking for people who are going to live risky for Him. And He always chooses to use those kinds of people. You want to be used of God? Just start living a little bit of risk. Watch the fun you're going to have. When we saw these people up here earlier, they're risky. They count up here on the stage. You know, they, they haven't even started doing their, their marriage mentoring. They're going to run into some crazy situations. You're, some of you are going, yeah, my crazy situation. You know? and, 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 it's, and it's, it's all right. It, that's, that's pretty awesome. Thing. But God chooses to li- use the people who get out on the limb and say, I'm, I'm going to be risky. And that's what I want for every single one of you. Every single stinking one of you. Not stinking. Don't have to take that word out. Delete that. Every single one of you guys. God loves you and I do too I'd like for there to be no movement in this time in this auditorium please Uh, I want us to focus our eyes on Jesus and maybe you've come here today and you've never really surrendered your life completely to Jesus possibly you've you've drifted from your relationship with God and you want to know the Jesus that I talk about and you you're ready for a new beginning. Or maybe you're one of those people, you've, you've lived the religious life. It's like religion. It's not, you're, 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 maybe you're just churchy. And he's like, I'm done with that. I really want Jesus. I'm ready to live my life with risk. I want to serve Jesus. I want to be his disciple. I want to give my life fully to Jesus. If you'd like to make that your decision today, in just a moment, I'd like for you to lift your hand you'd like to be included in my closing prayer just lift your hand when i count to three and i'm going to pray with you and i'm going to connect my faith with yours come on one two three you want to give your life completely come on lift your hand up come on lift your hand up that's it yes give your life completely to jesus thank you thank you and thank you thank you here's what i'd like to do congregation i'd like for you to uh congregation of believers along with every person who lifted their hands i'd like for you guys to all stand everyone in this room please stand if you if you lifted your hand i want you to pray this prayer but i want everybody else to pray this prayer too come on i want us to mean this prayer but if you lifted your hand this is this is you're drawing a line in the sand today come on come on pray these words with me dear jesus thank you for dying for my sin i believe you're the son of god 
please forgive my sins because it's time for me to live. I give up my past and I embrace the future that you have for me. Thank you for challenging me to risk everything for you. <laughs> In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from City Life Church. You can keep in touch with what is coming this season through social media and our City Life app. And Sunday, our favorite day of the week is on its way. We hope to see you at City Life.